0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rancid Taco Movie Review Podcast. I'm Skylar Sanders, here with uh, Mason Pink Floyd, Tamai Wooderson.
1: (laughs) And tonight, we are going to become a little dazed and even more confused than normal. As we review Dazed and Confused.
0: Yes, a childhood classic of ours. Yep,
1: It came out in 1993 and has a score of 92%
0: on Rotten Tomatoes. Hot damn. Sounds good. And I purposefully picked this one knowing that I liked it and your wife liked it as well, so now you can't give it too harsh of a grade because you'll be angering two of the most important people in your life.
1: Yeah, I told you that I wanted to be harsh on this movie and be an asshole because I'm so pissed about the way you treated Robin Hood last week. (laughs) but i can't i actually i love this movie too just like everyone else who ever watches it i don't know know why exactly but everyone loves dazed and confused
0: I, i think i was doing some ruminating on that and i i think a lot of it has to do with this movie was a nostalgia movie when it came out and it's never stopped being a nostalgia movie you know what i mean Yeah, I think so, too. Like, this movie, as soon as it came out, was a nostalgia movie for older people that experienced the 70s in high school and the 80s and the party life in high school and everyone who'd gone through that. And then we, as children, watched it and were like, oh, this is really cool. Life was cool and crazy back then. And now, as we watch it again, it's even more nostalgic for our childhood. So it it just, it started as nostalgia and never quit it. I gotta
1: ask, much like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, if you're a total square and you watch this movie, do you enjoy it at all? Oh, that's a good question.
0: I, I've never been a total square, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, I wouldn't know either.
1: But I would imagine <laughs> if you've never smoked a joint or never drank a beer or you know done some of the things these kids do in this movie, you probably wouldn't relate to the movie and maybe wouldn't enjoy it because of that.
0: That might be true. Uh, it does romanticize it quite a bit. You know, I mean, it definitely makes... Partying and pot smoking and drinking seemed like a really great time in high school, which for me, it was uh, not for it might not have been for everybody, though. Maybe everybody. The cool thing about it, it has all these little clicks and each click sort of feels different about high school and how they like it or don't like it.
1: Yeah, we'll get into the clicks as we go. But you're right about some people maybe could have viewed this movie at the time and emulated some of the things. Everything ends out great in the movie for the characters, but in real life, I got to say, some of these things that happen within this film, I do not recommend <laughs> yeah. Doing at
0: home. Yeah, and certainly like the life of partying and drinking all the time in high school, after high school, if you stick around and become the Watterson character, it loses its appeal more and more as you go. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the Matthew mcconaughey Wooderson character is probably the most likable pedophile in cinema history. (laughs) This guy's a total creep, but somehow he's the most charming character in the movie.
0: And probably the most quoted, too.
1: Yep. So we'll get into that. I guess we should go ahead and get into that and begin with the cast. We spoiled Matthew McConaughey, so do you want to start with him? Yeah, why not? All right. Well, he plays a character that actually doesn't appear for the first 30 or 45 minutes but then he does end up being the most charismatic person probably in the entire film by the end.
0: Yeah, and he's not even a main character really. He's just he's just that charismatic as his character that he's very memorable. He
1: plays a 30-year-old, maybe some early 30s guy that hangs out with all
0: the high schoolers. No, I don't think he's that old, is he? I want no. to say I want to say like mid 20s.
1: It looks a little better on his part if that's the case, but I feel like he was creeping up
0: on 30 maybe maybe i don't know but uh yeah it could be i don't know i mean I, he, he, I, well there's a piece at the end where he he's like with that cop or whatever and they look about this they're supposed to be about the same age and that cop definitely looks like he's 30
1: do we know anyone like this in real life i'm sure yeah <laughs> everyone knows a guy like this right that still hangs out with the high schoolers and he yeah. tries to be the coolest dude in the room, and he is because he's hanging out with Yeah, and he's
0: he's just more mature, so everyone's like, Oh, this guy's so cool. You know, everybody in that scene, all the high schoolers think that guy's so cool, but anybody around his age is like, what a loser. What a
1: creep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So is that a welcome to the podcast? Have we ever had McConaughey before? Um, I don't think so. I like McConaughey, and in fact, he's good. I feel the need to point this out. Your mom used to call me Mason McConaughey because she thought I resembled him. At that? Times.
0: You were a handsome young devil back in high school, I gotta say.
1: I'm proud of that one. I've been told I look like a lot of different people, but that's a good one. That is a
0: good one. Not to say you're not handsome now. You still look great. I got Rob
1: Thomas the other day from Matchbox 20, and I I kind of took offense to that. I don't think he's a very
0: handsome dude. I, uh, he could be viewed as handsome. I'm, many people did view him as handsome. He was a Pin-up on girls' walls for years, I'm sure. I thought he looked like
1: an angry hawk.
0: <laughs> what? I don't
1: know. He had a bird, bird-like features, and he always looked pissed off. I didn't like that.
0: I can see that. I can see that <laughs> now that I think about it.
1: All right, we're getting off track here. Anyway, Matthew McConaughey, welcome to the podcast, and welcome to Dazed and Confused. Also, we have the return of one of the London Brothers. Though it's not Jeremy. That's not,
0: not the return.
1: It's, it's not really a return because it's a different guy, but it's his identical twin, Jason London, the brother of Jeremy London.
0: Yeah, and we had Jeremy uh, on the podcast in Mallrats. The very first episode, Mallrats. Yeah, the very first one, and it, for a long time, I had no idea that there were two of these guys. I just thought it was the same guy, and why would I think different? You know, like, they look exactly, they're, they're identical twins.
1: Judging off these two performances, I'm saying Jason in this movie is way better than Jeremy as an actor.
0: I would like to watch a bunch of their movies back to back and and evaluate their career to see if they're the same actor or if they are different and one's better than the other.
1: I've actually never seen Jason London in anything else. I was looking at his credits. He was in Seventh Heaven and Grey's Anatomy, like TV shows Hmm. and small roles. But I've never seen any of his other movies.
0: I mean, I I was about to be like, yeah, he did really good in Mallrats. Oh wait, <laughs> that's not I mean, him. Andy and
1: he also didn't do good.
0: Didn't do really good in that. Thank God he could be. Maybe it actually was him, and then he just was like Mallrats was so bad. My my performance he was so on. bad. I, I have he a twin created, brother, but no one's ever
1: seen him at the same place at yeah, the same time. <laughs> he created a twin brother. Well, I thought he was pretty good in this. And of all the characters, he's probably one of the the coolest to hang out with i think oh for sure that's
0: the guy you wanted to be friends with in
1: high school and he was friends with everybody so i related to him the most he was hanging with the jocks he was hanging with the nerds yeah he was hanging with everybody i, I kind of liked his his character yeah i had
0: that same thing going as well
1: he was standing up to the football coach cool dude yeah so we'll move past him now and get to a little sweetheart i know you're sweet on this one. Oh, baby Joey Lauren Adams, welcome yeah. back
0: to the podcast. She is a smoke show in this one, too. You
1: think so? Yeah,
0: she, why yeah. not?
1: I mean, she's she's got the girl next door thing going on, but I never really saw her as a smoke show. It's now crazy. I
0: saw her as like a feisty, like slutty girl. I like the raspy voice that she's yeah, got. Yeah, yeah, like she looks like a little sex kitten. Yeah. Pretty
1: minor role in this all said and done, though, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, not real big. I mean, she she definitely plays her part, but it's kind of a little side character.
1: Yeah, I feel like most of the females in this, they give plenty of screen time, but not a lot of substance to the characters.
0: Yeah, I think one one uh, girl gets the most, Michelle Burke, Jody.
1: Is that the younger girl?
0: The um, Mitch's big it's older this, sister.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, I didn't write down
0: her actress, but
1: she does probably have the biggest role. Yeah. Well, I don't want to hang on Joey Lauren Adams too long, though, because, uh, like I said, she has a smaller role. Mm -hmm. Did you have anything you wanted to add about her? Nope. Okay. Well, then we also have Mila Jovovich. Yeah. And she has become a big name in the acting world. Again, not a huge role in this, but you've definitely seen her in either the Fifth Element or the Resident Evil series.
0: Yeah, and she does a good job playing the wild, out-there, spacey, hippie chick.
1: She's an action star now in most of her current films, mm-hmm. and she does that job well enough. I haven't actually seen a lot of the Resident Evil movies, but uh, I watched The Fifth Element a time or two when I was a kid. I'll say oh, that.
0: Yeah, she looked great in that.
1: Yeah, she looked. <laughs> she sure did. So here's one I like a lot. That's Rory Cochrane, or Cochrane.
0: Oh yeah, Cochrane. Yeah,
1: he plays Slater, the stoner. And this character really actually ages pretty well, I think. Not all not all the characters do, but it, this guy still exists in the world.
0: Oh, yeah. And Slater was definitely my favorite uh, character when I was younger watching it. I thought he was the coolest, most interesting of the bunch. Mine,
1: too. He's got the conspiracy theories. He's He's funny at times when everyone's funny, but he's funnier than, than most. Yeah, he's so like
0: burnt out and spacey that you can't help, but like, but like friendly and, and fun too. Like he's not, he's, He seems like a good a nice guy, but also just like a weird out there guy.
1: He has a fun role in Empire Records, which is mm-hmm. another coming of age 90s movie that I, I really enjoy that one. Yeah. And he's got a good role in that. He's also in Public Enemies and Black Mass. To johnny depp movies mm, nice so we'll move past rory cochran because it there's a really big cast in this one we're gonna uh, yeah, spend a, a, little, a little extra time on the we gotta go this week. we don't have to rush because i don't have much for the actual movie so <laughs> we <laughs> okay.
0: can take our time on the cast let's just do a two-hour cast list yeah let's just talk topic. about the
1: cast the whole night yeah
0: sure why not
1: well i want to talk about adam goldberg Though it's not the Adam Goldberg that's famous for the TV sitcom The Goldbergs, it's the Adam Goldberg famous for Saving Private Ryan. He was also in A Beautiful Mind and Zodiac. He plays the nerdy, anxious Jew Mike in this movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he, he he plays a really cool role too. I like him a lot in this one as well.
1: Yeah, uh, he, he was a character with some substance to him. I, I liked him too.
0: Yeah, he's got like a nice philosophical thing going on. And uh, I actually just like his group of friends. They seem like a uh, fun nerd kids that I would have liked in high school.
1: I was about to say that. I think of all the cliques that they present in this movie, that's the one I would hang out with the most because though they are nerds, they're still drinking and partying and hanging out and they're, they seem fun. So
0: yeah, they yeah, probably they get, have the best time. Yeah. They get together and play poker with uh pink Floyd, Randall pink Floyd. Like they still have cool friends and stuff too. Like, yeah, they, they, seem, they seem interesting, too. They seem smart.
1: They portray poker playing as nerdy in this movie. I thought that was a little strange. Was You think in the 70s only nerds played well, poker?
0: Maybe it hadn't blown up so much, so it wasn't as big of a thing. It was. I don't know if they were drinking around the poker table or if they were actually just playing poker.
1: I always thought gambling had a, just a natural edge to it. You know, if you're it does, playing it does. poker, you're edgy. Yeah,
0: it should. I mean, if they wanted to make them really nerdy, they could have gone on the D and D route, but that's a little overused. I mean, I don't think they were trying to over nerd them out. Well,
1: you they know? were distinctly the nerds of the people that they showed within the film. They were the nerdy clique, or at least the, Let, the yeah, outcast. They clique.
0: were the they were the intellectuals for sure, and
1: maybe a little less good looking than the other kids were yeah, considered yeah. to be, for sure. No, I can't say I fully agree because that gets us to the next cast member, little redhead here marissa rabisi the sister oh yeah giovanni rabisi that's
0: g i was i was like where have i seen that name giovanni rabisi that's his sister yeah that's his twin sister actually crazy she doesn't look anything like nearly as as similar as jason and jeremy london look together
1: (laughs) no well it's not identical twins
0: just normal twins
1: (laughs) okay all right what's up with identical twins man isn't that a weird thing in the world that's crazy isn't it it's like, like I, someone just looks exactly like you. They basically are you.
0: Yeah. Like I remember there, I knew a few identical twins in school, and it was, you could always tell them apart by like one small feature, like on their face or something like that. Other than that, it was so creepy.
1: Yeah. Twins are a very strange human thing. Yeah. Great for any horror movie, though. I don't have anything else to say about Marissa Ribisi, other than I think she was supposed to be ugly and she wasn't ugly. And also, yeah. she's the sister of Giovanni.
0: I love those redheads.
1: So then we have a couple other ones here, a few last ones. Cole Hauser plays ah shit. I didn't write him down. What was it? Benny. 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 Yeah. Yep. Has gone on to massive fame now for his role as Rip Wheeler in the TV series Yellowstone. I haven't seen Yellowstone yet, but I've,
0: I've heard a lot about it.
1: He's by far the coolest character on that show, and it's it's a hit show. A lot of people like it. So I I,
0: re- I really like him in this movie, so that's that's good.
1: Yeah, he's a cool character. I like the baseball t-shirt he's wearing most of the time. It's a cool look there.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: And then we have Wiley Wiggins. Took us a long time to get down here to Mitch. I'd say he's probably the second most focused upon character.
0: Yeah, he's definitely a main character, but as far as performance goes, I think he's one of the least moving ones. Yeah, he's the low light in terms of acting performances. Though I
1: think he's cast well.
0: He fits the part. It's just like he's not that impressive as an actor.
1: He looks like Tim Lincecum of picture. <laughs> yeah. But outside of that, no, I, this guy actually really annoys me. A lot of the faces he makes, and I know it's not his fault. He's just a kid, and this is his first acting role. It's just like a few times in this movie I do cringe when I watch it or shudder a bit, and, and one <laughs> of the times is the faces that he makes.
0: Mostly it's him, yeah. Mostly the cringe stuff happens when he's doing something
1: i get that i get that
0: too we've discussed at ad nauseum his nose touching which pisses us off
1: we've discussed it personally we've never discussed it on a podcast but he does touch his nose and face probably 30 times in one scene alone
0: oh yeah there was there was one scene at the emporium where he just keeps grabbing his nose and going back to it i'm like dude leave your fucking nose alone
1: (laughs) yeah stop with the nose man come on
0: yeah like it really does is it a character choice are you just nervous or what Probably a little bit of both. Maybe both.
1: Give it a rest every once in a while. Yeah. And then the final cast member I want to mention here is yet another return to the podcast, Ben
0: Affleck. Yeah. Ben gets it in this one, too. I like him in this role. Yeah. He he plays douchebag so seamlessly. He does. In general,
1: I kind of don't really like Ben Affleck. Yeah. I I can never get past the Ben Affleck of his characters. He always is. Is what he is, you know? He, yeah.
0: That's why it works when he plays a douchebag.
1: <laughs> yeah. But in general, I don't dislike him either. He's just kind of there. You know, I don't dislike him. I don't like him. But in this movie, he yeah. does have a memorable and, and solid role. So,
0: uh, there is one other actor I did want to mention, though. Anthony Rapp as Tony Olsen. Uh, he, he's the blonde guy on the Geek Crew. Right. I did uh, see him in person in New York in a coffee shop. I I walked up. Walked right by him and he was like sitting at a table and then I had to do a double take. And I looked back and I was like, "I know that guy." And then you're head, certain it was him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty certain. I mean, yeah, definitely looked like him. So you met him in New York, huh? He did. Yeah. Well, I didn't meet him. I, I walked by him. I mean, he's a he's a famous actor. He he was on the uh, Star Trek series not too long ago, one of the newer ones, and he did some Broadway stuff. And I I'm gonna go. We might have to do a huge correction on this, but Uh-oh. I, but I feel like he might have been uh, sexually assaulted by K- Kevin Spacey. Oh wow, uh, <laughs> okay. I'd have to I'd have to do some real quick uh, swayzing on that. Yeah, do, you might... wanna, do you want
1: Do you want to sway it now and save us the correction?
0: <laughs> Was Anthony Rap?
1: Why don't you just type Anthony Rap Kevin Spacey? Surely it will come right. Oh, up. that's a good idea.
0: Anthony Rapp. Ke- oh, it already popped up. Kevin's Oh, I think this is not a good song. S- uh, Spacey sanitized claims can't end abuse suit. In a new so- filing, Anthony Rapp says his extensive testimony alleging Sp- Spacey grazed his buttocks is enough to qualify a civil claim. Oh, come on. Grazed his. All right. Well, yeah, we don't know. We don't know the full story. we don't know the
1: <laughs> story. Let's
0: let's not jump to the conclusions. I'm at least glad that I was not just completely making this up. <laughs> so yeah, he had a he had a he has a claim against him or had a okay. claim. He was part of part of the one of the people that claimed that sex that he sexually abused him.
1: Hey, I'll give you a, I'll give you a point right now for that. Not you, bad, right? You got it. You didn't claim he was abducted and he
0: wasn't. You didn't claim he was dead and he wasn't. <laughs>
1: you claimed he was sexually abused or assaulted and he was. And, and he
0: was, by I mean, god. Maybe well, I don't know if it was proved in a court of law, but at least that's the that's the rumor.
1: Well, I was actually looking for an uncredited Randy Quaid somewhere in here because the guy that it cost them after they, they wrecked the mailboxes, I thought that was Randy Quaid, but apparently it was not. I thought it looked like a sloppy old Brando. Yeah, well, Randy Quaid and Brando in his, in his older days probably could have been one of the same, uh, Yeah,
0: pretty sloppy-ish together.
1: Well, that does finally wrap up the cast here, unless you had anyone else.
0: Oh, wait. Parker Posey. She was a Darla Marks. Oh, yeah.
1: She's another cringe character. All her lines just, she does a good oh, job acting. Yeah, My yeah.
0: God. Yeah, she's such a bitch, but I, I really like her as the character. She does a good job, too. All right.
1: So then we will take a break and begin the in depth review of
0: Dazed and Confused, man. Party at the Moon Tower. <laughs>
1: So we've mentioned that – well, maybe we didn't mention, but I think we spoiled it. This is not going to be a traditional review for us, or at least it's not for me. Normally we go scene by scene and explain the narrative, but there really is no narrative for this movie. It's just scene after scene of high schoolers partying on their last day of school or getting ready for the party on their last day of school.
0: Yeah, I think if you want to find a theme, it's about – youthful exuberance and coming of age and that sort of stuff but it's really just about yeah the, the last day of school and and the shit that goes down well if you're looking for a theme bullying is
1: a big theme in at least <laughs> yeah. the first yeah. half of this movie
0: <laughs> and the town's complete condonement of it
1: yeah everyone's on board with this seemingly annual bullying that goes down but the movie does begin with a great bring-in song, Aerosmith, "Sweet Emotion." Oh yeah! I don't think they could have brought it in any better. It's such a great start to this song, and that it, it it sucks you into the vibe of the movie right away.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And the, it's the the anytime I hear this song outside of this movie, it, it brings me back to this opening scene of the movie in my head. So I tie the two together now.
1: And it's a it's the last day of school for some high school kids and and the middle school kids. Among these kids, we meet Randall Floyd, who is the quarterback of the football team, and he's kind of the everyman of the movie. We mentioned he's hanging amongst every click that, that there is. He's also probably the closest thing to the main character that we get in this. For sure. We also meet his girlfriend, Simone. She's played by Joey Lauren Adams. We meet Slater, the stoner, who's, I mean, he's, he says some funny things in his first scene, but nothing important. We learned that there's a party that night through him. So that – in terms of a plot, that's what we get for that. Yeah.
0: Well, we get we, we get like the whole 70s – it's mid-70s. It's 1976. So we get like the whole 70s vibe, all their clothing and everything. And they're coming up – they're walking into the school. And I think – does the coach see him right off the bat? We get to the coach later on for sure. Yeah, okay. Well, they – I remember I, – I know that they come up and, and Slater is – taking some pill while he's drinking some water. So he's getting high, and then as he walks away from him after he gets done telling him he's got to meet up later for a little business, you know, man, and, uh, which is to buy weed. And he walks off, and, he go, and you can hear him in the background go, "And I'm fucking wasted.
1: <laughs> yeah, Slater is one of the guys that the coaches do not want Randall Floyd hanging out with. They say it later on that he's hanging with a bad crowd. And Slater is exactly who they're talking about. Yeah. We see some of the girls of the school, and most of their scenes are just funny conversations they're having. They talk about the sexiness of the people in Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And she's got a kind of a point. She says that the guys get everything. They get the nice chick and the slut, too. And the girls get nothing, like some overweight old guy and a, and a nerdy Gilligan. And then the one girl protests and says, "Wait, the professor was sexy."
1: <laughs> I'm not familiar enough with Gilligan's Island to weigh in on this, but I, I do agree. If, if there was a professor, he probably was pretty sexy on the desert island. <laughs> yeah, he was like the only good-looking
0: guy on the island, but
1: all the women were pretty except maybe the older lady. She, I don't think she was that hot. We also meet a couple of the meatheads from the football team, Benny and Don. Benny is the guy played by Cole Hauser. Don. I hate this guy, man. I, <laughs> I cr- of all the cringe scenes that aren't Mitch, they're Dawn for me. I can't stand this guy with his stupid fucking
0: overalls and his eyebrows. So yeah. annoying. I <laughs> he's did, got- you're
1: supposed to like this guy, but I did not like
0: him. He's not really likable though. He's kind of a dick. <laughs> to like, he just goes pulls his arm up like he threatens to punch one kid walking by. Like he slaps
1: all the girls on the ass yeah. as they leave. He, he's always talking about banging to the point where you know, he's exaggerating his claims and then it's later revealed that he does exaggerate his sexual prowess.
0: Yeah. He's, he's kind of, I mean, he's, I think he's Randall's like best friend or whatever, maybe. So he's got his sort of role and he, he traverses through the clicks as well too. So he, he's kind of that guy as well, but yeah, he, he has some cringy moments. He has some, some moments that I don't that I like, but he's got some cringy stuff going on too.
1: And he's coming around plenty of times. All these people will show up several times throughout the movie, so we needed to. That's the reason we're taking the time to point them out now. Yeah. We also meet the nerdy trio. We discussed all three of them in the cast, but within the the context of the movie here, they are personified by two gingers and an anxious Jew. <laughs> Is that? Uh, yeah, I don't know if we're supposed to call him a Jew. An anxious Jewish teenager.
0: Oh, I don't even know if they mentioned that he's Jewish.
1: Uh, does okay. He? I mean, it's it, to me it's a pretty obvious stereotype, but I feel like we've had this conversation before. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, don't know. I
0: I I I do I do know that and he does call somebody a fascist at some point. And I don't know, but I don't remember them mentioning it, but he's he looks very Jewish. All right, well, we don't
1: have to call him that if you're
0: uncomfortable <laughs> with that, but to I me, mean, that's uh, what he is. That's
1: his character. He, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I that's what i get too but I, i'm not sure if they mention it though do they they might not mention it i don't know
1: we'll call them anyway. the nerds they're the, <laughs> the nerd trio is yeah. what they are and two of them are redheads yeah there we well go. no
0: one's a blonde one's a red but the other guy's blonde well he's like fair he looks like he's, a, he's ginger he's like completely white
1: he is his whole he's,
0: hair his hair is white his face white everything's white
1: he's the palest dude ever yeah and then finally the last click we meet are actually the middle schoolers and they are the incoming freshmen. So we know that they're going to be a main part of the story going forward but they're going to have very different paths as the day goes on. Yeah, yeah.
0: So the the whole we're, we're meeting all these characters it's all geared we're meeting all the different cliques and uh they tell a fun little story right there about anthony Rapp's character tony tells him tells mike uh the jewish fella <laughs> uh story if you
1: keep about... referring to him as
0: a jewish fella that can't cut well, that last segment well so. i think i think now we have to
1: all right let's just lean right into it the jewish <laughs> just, mike we
0: call him the jewish fella not the jew you know fair fair the enough G- the jew might be derogatory i'm not real sure about that all right uh but a uh, jewish fella sounds nice <laughs> So he tells him a story about. A, hey, he has a dream of he's having sex with this beautiful, sexy lady, and she's got a hot body and everything, but with the head and face of Abraham Lincoln and the hat and everything. And it, it inspires a funny little reaction from uh, Mike, the Jewish fellow, who he, he goes, oh, "Yeah, let's not think too deeply about this one." <laughs> Sorry,
1: that conversation was endearing and, and fun to watch. But it has nothing to do with the overall <laughs> narrative of the story at all.
0: Yeah, zero relevance to the story other than building character background.
1: What is relevant to the story, though, is the fact that these tyrannical football coaches want all the football players to sign these
0: contracts
1: saying that they won't take any drugs during the summer that, that could negatively affect the team.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably the main, the main through line of the whole story is, Randall Pink Floyd's inability to sign the, his waiver contract, whatever it is. All the football players are signing it just to get the coaches off their back, but Randall Pink Floyd has more moral compass than that. It's a big mockery, really. It's just like, sign this so they'll get off your back and then go do whatever the fuck you want. And all the players have kind of agreed on that, but Randall's kind of dug in and made it his hill to die on.
1: I do like the coaches, though. Both the coaches that have speaking roles are actually really funny in their roles. And Goofy, the head coach is goofy as shit. The head coach is very goofy. And that assistant coach, when he says, chasing the muff around, and he's like punching those guys. (laughs)
0: Yeah. The high socks and the tight gym coach shorts he's wearing.
1: I was reminded of the coach from the program for some reason when I saw his get-up, his outfit. I liked it. Yeah. But the long and short of it is, is that they want Randall to sign this and to stop hanging out with guys like Slater and a character we'll meet later on. So Randall is conflicted because he's good at football, and he's the quarterback, and he realizes that other people are depending on him, yet at the same time he views it as a breach of his his individuality to sign yeah. off and agree not to do drugs.
0: And I think it's a moral conundrum that is not explored in the script for uh, for Randall because he says something later to the effect of, you know, how many times have we got laid solely on the fact that we play football? and it was the other the other guys like Don goes quite a quite a lot I guess he's like I bet we could do just as good if we were in a band or something like that so he's he's got this dilemma of like do I even want to play football anymore like is that what I want to do
1: yeah you get the idea that I don't think he even really loves football I mean yeah. obviously he's good at it but I don't think he
0: really enjoys it it's not what his life is about and I think You know, if uh, coming from those type of small towns, as both of us are, football is a way of life in those type of places.
1: It almost makes me think that he wouldn't even be friends with Benny and Don if not for football. He doesn't seem to have a lot in common with those guys. He is friends with them, but maybe if he didn't play football, he wouldn't even be in that clique.
0: Yeah, maybe not so much. I mean, he gets along with everybody. That's kind of his thing, but – they said they've been playing together from Pee Wees all the way up through. So they are, they've been friends their whole life. Uh, I think Randall's just kind of making a decision. that he, While I stand for what he's doing, it's kind of almost appears selfish.
1: Randall seems like the kind of guy that would be awesome to chill with in a group setting, but if you got him by himself, he might, he might just be really weird and awkward. <laughs> that might be true. He might be a social chameleon, but it's only because he's actually <laughs> awkward
0: himself good in groups not by himself
1: so we also mentioned that hazing and bullying is a big part of the early stages of this movie and it's here when we really get a good look at it the boys are getting paddles ready the senior boys and they're going outside of the middle school and threatening all the middle school students the teachers (laughs) just ignore this completely
0: yeah, they just think it's hilarious. They're just this chuckling is a terrorist up. threat in today's world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Today there'd be lawsuits everywhere, but this apparently was actually a real thing back in the day. They used to kind of do things like this, and I mean, I, I experienced hazing in school and in football, particularly. I think uh, everyone
1: our age experienced some form of hazing. Not really like
0: this though. I was never chased and paddled. No, not not quite like this, but. But hazing definitely is a real thing that's happened. There was some weird shit. I remember weird shit happening in the football locker rooms and uh, middle school oh. and high school. Oh, thing, yeah. Things that I could explain to people and it just sounds like complete weird (laughs) (laughs) homoeroticism. and i'm just like yeah that was that was hazing
1: that was hazing for us yeah
0: yeah when the quarterback pulled his pants down and made one of the freshmen jump sit on his lap and bounce on his lap i was like yeah that's a little weird (laughs) 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 like really that's funny bro but that's a little strange
1: very strange what do you think about this hazing this is too far right there's no redeeming qualities to the hazing that goes on between the boys in this movie right
0: yeah it's just physical violence
1: they accept mitch into their clique later on after they haze him and beat him with these paddles but i can't condone this form of hazing i think these guys no. are meant to be the villains of the movie the yeah ones that are, they're taking advantage of this it's it's a
0: bit too extreme i think everyone's going to have a defense for hazing and be like well that's how you figure out who can hang you got to pay your dues and things like that but there are other ways to do that you don't need to physically hurt people and or embarrass them even
1: well that's the flip side of the coin now because i want to ask you about the girls hazing and there seems to be much more organized they're not hunting down these girls the freshman girls seem like they're on board with it they're just going to lay down and get this ketchup sprayed on them and do these essentially up downs is what we call them in football but the girl parker posey she says air raid and this is another cringe for me. When, when she says the air raid, I cringe every day.
2: Air raid! Air raid! Air raid!
0: Yeah,
1: the way she, like, sticks her arms out like she's a Shawshank Redemption getting free out of the
0: sewer. Get up, you little freshman bitches! Get up! Ugh. Yeah, she's pretty annoying as a, as a person. But
1: the hazing that they're doing, maybe you can make a better defense for this one. It's not yeah. too physical, and it could be viewed as constructive that they're accepting these girls after this.
0: Yeah, yeah, they kind of do a little bit more where they do it all as a group, and everyone's in it together, and then they pile them all in the truck after they've got them all covered in uh, ketchup and mustard and powder or whatever they put on them, and then they take them to the car wash and wash them off and like run it through the car wash, even though they're in the back of the truck getting sprayed by high-velocity water, which probably peels their skin off like a potato, but anyway... (laughs) Uh, it doesn't seem to be affecting him in this movie, so it seems like it's a more inclusive type of thing as it's like who's down, who's cool, whereas the guys just kind of beat the other kid's ass and then leave them to lay yeah. by the side of the road.
1: So bottom line is hazing is always a gray area. There are lines that you can cross and not cross, but on the whole, you should probably just avoid yeah, hazing ha- and being hazed.
0: Yeah, hazing is always a bad thing, but you know, serving your dues and proving your worth is... There, is a, are, there are ways to do that that don't involve hazing, I think.
1: Yeah. So the girls are humiliated, though, and they're forced to propose to some of the senior boys. They're sprayed down with ketchup and mustard, all that stuff. And that's the setup for a few of the younger characters. There's a female character on the girl's side. I didn't write down her name, but she does have somewhat of a bigger role. She ends up dating one of the senior guys at the end.
0: Oh, yeah, she ends up dating Tony, right? Yeah, she dates Tony which S- Sabrina.
1: Okay, there's there's she and then there's the much more amplified role of Mitch. And Mitch gets a lot of screen time as I mentioned. He and his friends are anxiously trying to await the final bell there at school. Yeah, well, that
0: Mitch the uh, group of guys have showed up outside and with a loudspeaker and Uh, are telling them all the kids to come out and get their licks one by one and get it over with now and then they specifically point out mitch because his older sister jody had asked them take it easy on him whatever and they're like yeah sure no problem and then they immediately say oh he's fucking dead and so they're going to go even harder
1: on him now for the most part i'm not going to know a lot of the names of some of these characters like jody
0: so yeah, there's know. some, it's so, it's like, I, if I didn't have the cast list sitting right in front of me, I would never remember these names. <laughs> all right. just to clear that up. They're all regular ass kid, high school kid names.
1: In fact, I didn't even know McConaughey's character's name. I just call him McConaughey yeah. in all my notes that I have about him. Wooderson is about the most, and Randall Pink Floyd. O'Banion sticks out for me, too. Yeah, Slater. And actually, we can bring up O'Banion now. He was a senior the year before, but he failed out. And so he's a senior again, and he's relishing in the opportunity to be one of the hazers in this ritual.
0: Yeah, he just really, really just enjoys being a dickhead to, to freshman kids. So he gets, to see, he gets to do it two years in a row now, which should be illegal.
1: Yeah, he's the villain of the movie, for sure. If there is one, he is that.
0: I don't think there's ever any time you're supposed to look at O'Banion and think, yeah, he's not that, he's not that bad. Whereas yeah. the other guys are also doing the same shit, but they're not viewed as bad. They're not as sadistic
1: about it. O'Banion's getting off from handling yeah. these poor middle school kids. Yeah. And so it's O'Banion that chases these kids after school. They've gotten into the car of one of their big brothers, and so there's this high-speed chase through the suburbs.
0: Oh, no, they got the, they got the keys from his older brother. So this is a, this is an eighth grader just driving through oh, the suburbs. Oh, I thought it suburbs. was their brother <laughs>
1: driving. It's their brother's car.
0: No, yeah, they're like, hey, what's-his-name got his brother's keys. And I'm like, this eighth grader is just going to fucking take off driving through the suburbs, I guess.
1: These are some badass eighth graders.
0: Right? They, they, were, they were born to be the cool kids.
1: Well, this made for a cool scene in the movie, but don't try this at home because everyone involved is getting arrested here.
0: I love the song that's playing here, too. Jim Dandy to the rescue. Jim Dandy to the rescue.
1: Well, they chase Carl is the name of Mitch's best friend. They chase Carl and Mitch to Carl's house where Carl's mom pulls a shotgun on O'Banion. So within the course of this scene, they're running over people's lawns, they're backing over like traffic signs, driving through the streets at high speeds, and then someone pulls a shotgun on a just-out-of-high-school boy. So (laughs) everyone's doing something illegal here, but it ends up being a pretty good scene, actually.
0: Well, he catches them on the front lawn, so he's about to get his licks in, and then mom opens the door with a double-barrel shotgun and goes... Get off my porch, you you, freak or something or or something. I can't remember what she calls him. Creep. I, I love how Mitch and Carl stick
1: their heads out afterward to smile. Yeah. Yeah. And he sees him. He's like, "Oh, that's
0: it. I saw that. You're fucking dead." Yeah. yeah the, the
1: whole point of this scene is to further incense O'Banion. So there actually is a little bit of drama because you know Mitch and Carl are going to get their asses kicked here. Oh, for yeah. escaping the clutches of O'Banion. Yeah, now
0: they know they got come, coming. Even worse. Yep.
1: Carl's mom showing up with the shotgun. <laughs> what the fuck?
0: Yeah, only right? only yeah. in Texas, right? Yeah, is that where they're at? I was wondering where they're at the whole time. I was like, gotta be in Texas. I'm pretty sure it's Texas. Yeah.
1: Actually, that's just a guess, though. I'm not 100% sure it is I Texas. No. Don't... It just it just yeah. seems like Texas. Maybe it isn't.
0: Maybe because of the football thing, but I, I don't. No, for sure. I don't think it specifies. I don't either. Could be anywhere in middle America.
1: Well, that's a mystery that we'll have to get to, among many other mysteries that we will solve after (laughs) this break.
0: (laughs) Hell yeah, we will. You better have your wood screwed. I'm gonna blow your doors, Benny. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Skyler from the Rancid Taco Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to send us an email at podcast at gmail.com, or check out our Twitter handle at rancidmovie. And if you've been listening to us for this long, there's one thing you're certain of by now, and that's that we don't know dick about anything that we're doing. Please feel free to enlighten us, send us some feedback, tag us in an article that Proves all of our points wrong. At this point, we don't care. Just show us you're listening. We want to know if you're out there. Please say hello to us. Ask us how our day is going. Anything, really.
1: So one of the characters that we didn't mention yet, and we also didn't mention in the cast, is the character of Kevin Pickford. And actually, I did a little bit of research on this film, backstage note, and I read that this character was supposed to have a much bigger part, but that the actor was fighting with the other cast members, and so they reduced his role, and therefore reduced the role of his girlfriend, Mila Jovovich.
0: Oh, man. Yep. Mila's Mila's like, you son of a bitch.
1: Yeah, she was going to have her breakout before... Fifth Element. Fifth Element, yeah. And instead she didn't because of this fucking jackass, because Sean
0: Andrews. Sean Andrews is a dickhole.
1: Yep. He was fighting with specifically Jason London. They got into a fist fight, they said.
0: Really? Yep. That's kind of interesting.
1: I wonder hmm. where they were going to go with this, this Kevin character. Yeah, what more were they going to do with him, I wonder? Maybe, Maybe... the party wasn't going to get canceled at his house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because that's the next scene kevin is hanging out at his house with his girlfriend and floyd is there a couple other guys but his slater slater yeah his parents burst in and they say hey a beer keg delivery man is here and they say they're gonna drop off some beer for you and i thought that this guy does a pretty decent job of playing it off but he's dressed like such a stoner and he's prematurely getting stoned that his parents would have never bought that this wasn't his yeah. beer in the first place. Like, first
0: of all, how do they not smell the weed in, in the room? Uh, Cause they're sitting there lighting up, getting blazed in the room and they throw on an incense or something. I think that covers it all, I guess. But uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they. So they were, the parents were going to leave town and he was going to throw this huge party at his house. And all these characters that we've met are, we're going to come to the party. And, the beer guy shows up and he's like, "Oh, I better go check that out and see what's going on." He's like, "Yeah, so you're a little early, aren't you?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, I got this hot day going. He's like, "Yeah, so I guess you got the wrong house, right?" He's like, "What?" Yeah, I guess you got the wrong house. He's like, "Uh, oh, yep, wrong, Mister Pickford, altogether." <laughs> 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 Again, to be fair, the, the 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 beer delivery guy tries to play it off and help him out. Oh,
1: he tries, and and the kid does a decent enough job of playing it off. But the fact that he is just got done smoking pot and he's dressed like jim morrison does (laughs) it doesn't bode well for his parents thinking that he wasn't going to have a huge party at the house so they decide to stay home
0: yeah yeah the parents are staying home and not going on vacation out of spite for the child in terms of serving the plot
1: this means now the senior party is off at that house and all the characters we've met have to form new plans
0: Yeah, and like they go to the emporium to meet up to like hang out and congregate where they can shoot pool and play foosball and do whatever. And for us, we had the bowling alley, which was where every everybody would meet up on like Friday and Saturday night. They would meet up there, and then the parties would disperse in several directions.
1: They're serving alcohol there. How are these owners allowed to stay in business, just serving all these underage kids all the time?
0: Well, they weren't, right ser- the open. they weren't serving alcohol because they have to go, but they, they definitely allowed alcohol in there because they uh, the guy sends Mitch across the street. Well, this is later. He sends him across the street to get beer. So I don't think they were selling beer in there, but they definitely weren't stopping people from drinking in there. That's true.
1: Now, let me ask you this. They refer several times to maybe there will be a beer bust later on. What, what? the hell is yeah. a beer
0: bust? No fucking clue. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Swayze that one up real quick, too. All right, Swayze, make a second appearance here. What's a beer bust? Beer bust. usually boisterous party as for college students, club members, or soldiers at which beer is the sole or principal beverage and is consumed in large quantities.
1: Hmm. So it's just a party like any other party. Yeah. They're just going to have it somewhere else now, informal. Yeah. All right. Well, they just had to give it a name. And so they gave it a name. Oh. Yeah. And they, that's what I like about drug culture and, and party culture is they have to give names to things that already have names. and Everyone yeah. has their own name for it. Give it a slang name, you know, call it something cool. Maybe it's sticks. Yeah. Slang is cool. And, and trying to make new slang is really fun. Yeah. We used
0: to say we used to say me and my friend Zach uh, used to say we, we had to go to his house to burn some CDs. that was our code burn cds no
1: one under the age of 25 is going to know what that means probably
0: yeah yeah well back in the day you had to burn cds uh that's how you made mixtapes back in the day no one
1: over the age of 25 knew what that meant so that was just equally serving (laughs) your purpose
0: yeah cds didn't hang around for as long as i thought they would have they did not
1: i also like the fact that the, the crew of the
0: nerds or the
1: intellectuals as we're calling them. Actually, we haven't truly settled on a name for this, this click, but whatever it is, I like that they're riding around lamenting their lack of plans.
0: We can't call them the Jew crew. No. <laughs> can we call them the Jew crew? Definitely Please. not. Damn it. Yeah. The ginger,
1: the, the ginger gang. Yeah. Can call them. Whatever they are, they're hanging out. They don't have plans and that's kind of what's driving them is they're upset that everyone else seems to have their shit together in terms of having fun and they don't really know how to have fun. So it seems to me like it's angst that doesn't need to be there though because it's right in front of them. They're hanging out together, they're drinking, they're having a good time. They are the party. You know, they're looking for something more, but I think eventually this crew will settle on
0: they're all they need is each other. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful Beautiful sentiment you put forward there. Well, thanks. If you are if you kids are in high school and you feel like you're not the crew, just wait a couple years and you will be.
1: If you have a crew and you think you need more than that, just know that all you actually need is the crew that you're, you're discussing that with. That's, you, that's your crew.
0: You and your friends are enough. Yep.
1: And speaking of enough, we've had enough talking about them making plans <laughs> <laughs> for the night. And let's get to a little bit of baseball
0: action. Ah, yeah. We have Mitch slated to start this one.
1: A young Tim Lincecum on the mound here, facing off against uh, some nameless junior high team.
0: And unfortunately for Mitch, the, the senior beaters have done their homework and know he's going to be at the game.
1: Yeah, they're going to beat his ass after the game. But Mitch is still able to focus and strike this guy out.
0: This Pitch is guy, a gem.
1: Yeah, the guy that swings and misses at this final strike misses by like six feet. I always notice how far this guy is off from this pitch.
0: Well, he pulled a swing, obviously, so he wouldn't hit it. But so you think uh, Mitch's stuff Mitch, was just that good? Well, yeah. I mean, he said he was starting. He said he said I have to go to the game because I'm I'm pitching, and he started and finished the game. So that's a complete game win. He got there.
1: That's true. He did. That, that's junior high, though. It's pretty pretty. Yeah. Common.
0: And if you're still striking – if you strike the last batter out, you're you pit you're, you're still throwing your stuff at the end of the game.
1: So he didn't save any stuff after the game. And that means he's out of energy and he doesn't even fight it. He walks right into the arms of O'Banion and Benny. Uh, I forget well, who else is. And he does his
0: friends a solid by distra- – he goes out the back gate. So they're all drawn over that way so his friends can get away. One of his friends, Carl, who's a particular dickhead – Like, Carl's a little bastard. Uh, He tells him, can you just go out the back? They're going to get you anyway. (laughs) Oh,
1: I I feel the exact opposite.
0: I love Carl. He might be my favorite character in the
1: entire movie. What? He's a little asshole. (laughs) He is a little asshole, but he also is a realist. He just, he knows... The way things are going to go down, he sees yeah. things before they happen. But he still wants to have a good time. Later, he looks out for his friends. He just knows how it is.
0: Now later, he cock blocks his friend too and pulls him out there when he's about to get, you know, some some good action.
1: He's persuasive. He's a charismatic dude.
0: Yeah, well, he's he's maybe the leader, but he's like the only one with any real potential is is Mitch.
1: He says my favorite line. That's why I like Carl. Oh, okay. Anyway, you're right about mitch distracting and he does distract to help his friends out he takes an ass whooping O'Banion in particular is brutal with his beating but then floyd shows up we're going to call him floyd and randall and every other thing but
0: pink yeah. floyd
1: randall shows up and he doesn't really prevent the beating but he lessens the uh, the violence within the beating and then he takes mitch under his wing afterward
0: Yeah, no, he doesn't do anything to stop the beating, but he comes over and they offer him another lick or a hit, and he goes, yeah, sure. And he gears up like he's ready to really wail into him, and then he gives him a light tap and then gives him a ride home. And on the way home, he talks to him a little bit about, you know, him when he was his age and how bad they beat his ass. And it's kind of neat because you can see the younger kids and the older kids' body later. Like you can see how the chain of, A sequence happens like as they get older and become those people
1: but the role of that randall takes over mitch is not only does he give him some advice on how to face this going forward after the the hazing but he takes him out for the night and lets him ride around with them and mitch fully embraces this and basically grows into a a young
0: party animal himself yeah it's his introduction i mean it's i remember my freshman year going into going into school and you know Yeah, into high school and not knowing anybody and being nervous. And then finally, like, you start making friends with a couple older kids and, you know, whatever. Then you get invited to a party and you go to a – I remember after our first football game, I went to a keg party. And that was my first ever, like, high school party. And it was
1: was great. I loved
0: it. I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever done. All
1: in all, though, I got to say, keg parties in teenagers, usually something bad happens for
0: somebody that night. (laughs) It it never
1: ends as well as it does in this movie.
0: It doesn't always end well, that's for sure.
1: And in terms of bad things here, the more sinister seniors, Benny and particularly O'Banion, we know they're still on the hunt for the rest of Mitch's friends. So we haven't seen the end of the, the beating and violence out of these guys.
0: Yeah, they're still on the prowl.
1: So finally, after all this time, welcome to the movie, Matthew McConaughey.
0: All right, all right, all right. Is
1: this the role you think that made McConaughey, what he is at the beginning? What's his defining role?
0: This is one of them for sure.
1: I think it might be. It's it's weird to think that because it's not a huge role, but I think it might be the defining McConaughey role.
0: I think it really catapulted him into into the limelight maybe.
1: How is all right, all right, all right a catchphrase?
0: Just the smooth way he delivers things. It
1: is the way he <laughs> like, delivers it, it yeah. makes it a catchphrase.
0: I mean, he still to this day says it to people, and people probably say it to him. Like, I mean, I still say it today at today, uh, various times myself.
1: Yep. So when he comes on board, he is, as I said, the most charming pedophile in cinema history. We don't, <laughs> we don't know his age. Are we going to Patrick Swayze one-third time here? What? What do we need to – we w- I want to know how old he is. His character is supposed to be.
0: Okay, let's see here. This, is, this might be... How old is Wooderson in Dazing Affused? Matthews, based his character of Wooderson, a 20-year-old weirdo still hanging around with high school kids. Yeah, you way, you way overshot. He's 20. He's only 20? Yeah. People just looked older back then. All
1: right, well... Uh, that makes it not so bad. I'm not even going to call him a pedophile. It's just a creep.
0: Yeah, it's creepy. It's I mean, legally, I don't know how old this redhead is, but uh, legally, he could be. Maybe he's not. I don't know.
1: Could be in trouble. Might be statutory.
0: Also, it's 1976. I don't know what the laws were back then. True. And it's Texas. And it's Texas. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> a bunch of maybes here.
1: Anyway... McConaughey's character is the highlight of the movie in terms of an acting performance. And he joins the high schoolers in their quest to help organize a new party location. Mm-hmm. We all know someone like this in real life and it's not a very cool person.
0: Yeah. It's usually, and especially if you're a senior guy and it's an older guy taking younger high school girls, nobody, no, none of the, none of the, none of the high school guys like that guy. No. Not, like th- not like these guys like him.
1: No, they're all his buddies, but I would bet more than likely they would have a competitive thing against this guy. They just need him to buy the beer. Yeah. That's probably the big draw. Is there anything else to say about McConaughey's character here?
0: um he's just there. not yeah not really i mean <laughs> this is at the emporium yeah
1: they're at the emporium they first are introducing him but he's not
0: really doing anything he's just saying no, yeah we'll he's just, I, I mean he's just yeah he's just there he's just one of the guys that's kind of on the crew well he he's driving uh he's driving mitch and and randall yeah to the emporium to begin with and you can just get you can just feel how cool he is when he picks him up in the car and he gets in, he's like, oh, cool, nice car. And and he says something worse and worse. is like, say, man, you got a joint? <laughs> like, no. It'd be a
1: lot cooler if you did. <laughs> yeah.
0: Goes, no, not on me. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and apparently what I'm reading here is a lot of his, his dialogue was improvised. So I have a feeling Matthew McConaughey just kind of took this role and ran with it and did whatever the fuck he, like, cool that came to mind and, and it would just worked. Yeah, credit to McConaughey for this. Though the
1: actual focal point of these next good portion of the movie, I think, is on Mitch. Mm-hmm. And it's not only about Mitch fitting in, which he does pretty seamlessly, seemingly right away, but he also buys his first beer here, and he meets a girl that he becomes attracted to, a sophomore even. So she, you know, Mitch is growing up, as we mentioned, he's going to, and here's where it happens. Yeah, yeah, he's
0: now... Got an in. He's, he's into the cool kids. He's, he's into the crowd. He took his ass whooping. He paid his dues. He took his ass whooping. And now he can even kind of walk around O'Banion. And O'Banion's not freaking out over him.
1: I didn't like the scene where he buys
0: the beer. I wouldn't have believed that he was over 18, that's for no, sure. No, he didn't even attempt
1: to look older. I mean, it would have been maybe funny if he'd have done something to try. But he was almost flaunting his childlike face in front of this clerk. And the clerk never even... Remotely picked up on it. Yeah. What was that clerk selling the woman
0: at the... Uh... Cigarettes and booze, the pregnant lady? <laughs> oh, was that what he was selling? Yeah, he, and he's selling her cigarettes and booze, and he goes, now remember, eat something green every day. Baby's health is really important at this time. <laughs> Why was
1: that scene in there, or that line?
0: I, just to show you how, like, uh, just to be like a sign of the times, because, you know, back then, smoking and drinking while you're pregnant was probably, like, a pretty normal thing. Oh, well, I thought it was just to show how dumb this clerk was, which it does serve that
1: purpose too. Yeah. Anyway, Mitch buys the beer, he meets the attractive sophomore, he bonds with the seniors, except for O'Banion. He does say he still hates
0: that drug. But on his way back he sees his friends, uh Carl and Hirschfelder and the other kid, Tommy, maybe. And uh they go, Did they sell you that? And he's like, Yeah. Hey, you owe me one. He's like playing it all cool now. He's like,
2: yeah, I hate that guy.
0: Man, you want to get him back. And they're talking about Obanion and uh so they de- they devise this little quick plan to get Obanion back.
1: Well, we we skipped it over, but we we said that was going to happen. Oh, we wow. we skipped over the fact that Obanion does catch up with the rest of the boys. Mm-hmm. And he beats the shit out of one of them, and I only want to bring this back around because The guy that gets beaten was previously in the middle school dance making out with some chick. Yeah. Definitely further along the sexual base path than he's probably ever been. And it's here that Carl (laughs) cockboxes. Yeah. He says, hey, come on, let's go. What's this kid doing? Just stay with the girl, man. Forget these fellas. Do not
0: not leave. Stay there.
1: So he leaves, and then he gets his ass kicked by O'Banion instead. What a mistake there. Thanks, Carl. So I've got a really dark theory here. Oh, God. <laughs> what if this kid, you know how it is when you're a kid, you know, you're making out with a girl for the first time. What if this kid's just walking around town with this unending hard on and then and then he gets beat <laughs> and whipped and paddled by O'Banion. <laughs> what if this kid was never the same sexually after this
0: night? What? This could have been it. This could have been the sexually scarring moment of his life.
1: Yeah, he might have needed this paddling every single time after this.
0: Hey, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of impact play. You know what I'm talking about? There is, if it was forced upon you in this way. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it is it is not good if you didn't ask for it.
1: Some of these kinks happen, and they
0: don't happen on purpose. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's a it's a stretch to think that he would link those two things sexually, but. Unless, of course, he was aroused by the fact he, that he was. He bad. might have still been aroused. That's what I'm saying. He might have still had the. And then in. and then confused the arousal. Yeah, exactly. The... Oh, OK. All right. That is. An maybe, int- that's an interesting theory.
1: Or what if he just. Uh, I don't want to go any further with Actually, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: No, keep going. I'm enjoying this. So now do you think he's like attracted to older men and younger women?
1: <laughs> he gets the beer afterward. O'Banion throws him a beer after he takes his beating. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like he gets the reward for the punishment. And so that adds a layer to the kinkism of it. It's like, oh, well, yeah, got you were bad, you got the beating, and now you get the reward. All in all, this kid's very impressionable. He's probably like 13 years old, so do you think he, how it
0: ended up? Do you think being? he grows up to be a uh, gimp? <laughs> I bet
1: he's the kind of guy that gets choked out by dead cats on, <laughs> in,
0: <laughs> in chat rooms and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's obviously next. Well, yeah. We figured it out. We figured Hirschfelder out. That's one character down.
1: So I didn't really want to go there, but we did. We went there. I'm glad we did. I'm glad we called back that scene because that's what happens. And that is why Hirschfelder and Carl and the other guy all want to get revenge on O'Banion. And now is when they meet up with Mitch and they make the plans to do it. So they've got this
0: whole elaborate plan mixed up now. And, uh, I don't know how they worked it so quickly, but the the younger girl that's into Mitch at the Emporium walks by O'Banion in the bar and says, I heard they're busting Carl Burnett out back. And he goes, What? And this is like his golden calf. You know, this is who yeah, he's been. Carl
1: Carl's mom pulled the shotgun. Carl yeah, he's eluded him the whole time.
0: He's been wanting to bust his ass pretty bad. So he's he's in a big rush to get out of there and 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 bust his ass. So he goes out and they sure enough, they've got him pinned up against a. Uh, like a garage door around the side of the building. And it's pretty short amount of time has elapsed. So I don't know how they put this whole thing together, but he's starting to talk shit to him. And then Carl tries to stand his ground. He slams him up against the wall. and he says, you've got to be the dumbest shit ever. He's like, this is to your mother fucker. And he starts to get ready to hit him. And then all of a sudden he feels something drop on him. And then all of a sudden he looks up and there's, hirschfeld and his other friend up there he goes remember me squeal like a pig and they dump a whole bucket of white paint all over him Ooh, symbolic there
1: yeah yeah the white paint of hirschfelder
0: (laughs) (laughs) hirschfelder just completely dumps his load all over
1: (laughs) (laughs) this is the same guy with the walking boner and the uh the beating too i'm actually this theory has some legs
0: it's getting legs yeah it's getting there and i I don't know then he just runs off completely sexually satiated (laughs) (laughs) and they jump into the back of their friend's car and squeal off they squeal
1: off like some pigs and O'Banion is pissed so that's the swan song for hirschfelder and for O'Banion who throws a mighty temper tantrum. I love his little temper tantrum there. He throws as he's covered in paint. He threatens everybody around him, including Mitch and some of the other seniors, before he breaks his paddle and drives off in disgust. And I don't think we see him again.
0: You know the one thing I hate about this scene? What? When he he drives off, he drives off over the grass, and we hear the tires squealing as he's going across the grass. I'm like, that doesn't match. Uh
1: was it not squealing from its lift off point and then uh, stop squealing. I mean it may
0: it could have been, but it it appears that all the, the wheels are on the grass when it starts sounding like it's squealing off of pavement, so I don't know.
1: It was probably a mistake.
0: <laughs> yeah, a minor mistake, but just something I paid attention to every time.
1: Yep. So the point of McConaughey's character now comes to fruition as uh, he decides. That the beer bust needs to take place at the local Moon Tower. What a spot for a party there. Oh, yeah. They
0: got a great – I'd be partying up there every night. So he invites the,
1: the uh, redheaded girl from the nerd trio to come up to the Moon Tower. So that's just a minor subplot they set up for her and for him. They, they're going to form some kind of a romance. If he's only 20, it's not so bad. If he's 30, it's very creepy. I will say that.
0: Oh, uh, we did. We skipped the uh, the mailbox.
1: Ride. Oh, that's right. I meant to include that mailbox scene in, in Mitch's big montage. Not really mm-hmm. a montage, but Mitch's scenes. I didn't like the mailbox scene. Think of being the people that live in these oh, houses, yeah. waking up the next day, pissed off. Your whole oh, yeah. day is ruined.
0: Yeah, you got to replace a mailbox. Like, it's destruction of property uh so they're they're driving in the car and they're getting high and drinking and mitch takes his first hit of weed and and uh everything's going great but then they're like oh pull up this trash can and dom don grabs the trash can and nails a mailbox and then randall does the same thing and then there's a bowling ball ball in the back and this is like mitch's big moment he grabs the bowling ball and they're like yeah throw it and he's like you sure yeah and he throws it out of the back and throws it through the back of another car's window and then they're like you're nuts junior you're nuts and so that's his big moment of like oh, okay now he fits in and he's like he's respected a little bit i guess i don't know then they pull up and don's gonna run a little scam on his friends and tell him that he steals this beer he says he's gonna go steal the beer but he's actually going in to pay for it and he has mitch watches his lookout. And he tells Mitch this and they leave and they're like, all right, run, run, go. And they get in the car and then somebody comes up with a gun and the and the driver is like, Don, give the beer back, man. <laughs> and he's like, I, did, I paid for the beer.
1: Yeah, he thought it was the clerk came out pissed that yeah. he got robbed. But it actually is not the clerk. It's the neighbor from down the street whose mailbox they destroyed. He's chasing them down with a gun. All this really is kind of pointless, but it adds a moment of, you know, drama and excitement i guess to the film yeah because as soon as he's
0: he's like got the gun to him he's like get out of the- tampering with the mailboxes is a felony offense he's like i called the police you boys better get out of the car and as soon as he says that don kicks the car and drive and they take off and knock the guy over and he gets up and grabs his gun and starts shooting at them i'm like this is fucking a little too a little too intense for knocking some mailboxes over
1: so it's definitely Texas now. We can confirm. It's got to be. Right?
0: Texas. Texas confirmed.
1: This guy's just firing shots at these kids in the street. And uh, no cops were called. No cops to be found in this movie, really, till the end. Now, great town. And as someone who took part in a lot of vandalism as a kid, right around this age, probably around Mitch's age, hmm. I got to say, it's much more fulfilling to vandalize government property than <laughs> than private property. So... Don't hurt an individual, but if you're going to knock yeah. down a street sign. Or, or corporate even. Yeah, something like that where someone's going to get paid to fix it. You're not hurting an individual. You're actually helping the economy by doing that. You're taking down big business. And that's what this movie's kind of all about.
0: I could argue that, but I like the way you justify it, so I'm going to go with it.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying, if you feel the need to vandalize something, yes. make, make it something corporate or, or government, something like that, not yeah. an individual.
0: And that's how I always felt about stealing, too. You know, If you're going to steal, don't steal from individual people. Steal from a large corporation where it's just lost in the numbers. Yeah. They're already ruining our world. Anyway.
1: They're stealing from us on a daily basis. Yeah, I might as well get a little back. So that does it for the vandalism scene. Good fun for all involved, I guess, except for the poor guy that got run over and his mailbox destroyed. Yeah, bad day,
0: bad night for him.
1: But now we can get to the Moon Tower party hosted by
0: Wooderson. Wooderson, yeah. And I love this scene because they're all like driving on their way out to the uh, party. And it's just like they're all, they all have beers and are drinking and driving, which sounds bad to say, but like they're like, Flying out this road and laughing and having a good time, or something. It just, it just reminds me of of bygone days.
1: Well, actually, we've given a PSA on this podcast before. When we did Birdman, we gave a PSA about uh, suicide and not to commit suicide. I gotta say now, if you like to drink and party, do not drink and drive.
0: Yeah, it's not a good combination. It's never good to do
1: we do have some young people in our audience and I want to say it's not cool and you can ruin not only your own life, but someone else's as well. And that's just not fair for the people that aren't drunk and driving.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's romanticized quite a bit in this movie, uh, but it's, it's something that, you know, it's a, it has very serious consequences It can ruin your life and somebody else's. Like you said. Yep.
1: So that aside though, they are all drinking and driving and going up to the moon tower. And the nerd trio in particular, I feel like, is highlighted in this part of the movie. And I like this part because <laughs> our, the Jewish fellow, Mike, <laughs> th- this entire time has been ridden with anxiety about his future and his standing in society and the way people perceive him. And so his, the decision to attend this party is really a big step forward for him, more than the other two even, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's, he's really itching to get out there and live and experience some real life a little bit. And uh, the, doesn't, other two, doesn't the other doesn't really
1: work out for him, though, does it? Not
0: so great. <laughs> but the other, two are, the other two are not quite as, like, gung-ho about it, but they're, they're also on board, but he's really feeling like... You can tell his angst is building, and he's feeling like he's wasting his, his youth and not doing the things that he wants to do.
1: Yeah, the other two are going to meet people, Specific people, actually. But for him, he's kind of trying to conquer some personal demon or prove something to himself. And I didn't understand the message of this. Because normally, we'll go ahead and say what happens now. He gets into a confrontation with a guy who w- clearly is looking for a fight. And he gets the courage to stand up to this guy in the fight. But then he gets his ass kicked. So what are they trying to say here? Like Normally, mm. they'd say, well, you need to stand up to your bullies and everything will be fine. Kind of like yeah. Mitch well but he the exact he, opposite happens here yeah i mean
0: and and him getting his ass beat is not exactly a bad thing uh you know it's it's another learning experience for him i think but what does the, he learn he learns that maybe the thing that he's looking for is not what he's looking for but also i don't think by i don't think at the end of the fight like he is beat up yeah but he almost has sort of a uh, positive view of it. he's like you know like I, I you you wouldn't say i got my ass kicked would you like i got some punches and stuff right and it's, so like he he's he's looking to stand up from say he's looking he, he lays it out as he doesn't want to let because the guy starts to pick a fight with him and he walks away and just is like basically a, a coward about it, essentially.
1: Yeah, he backs them.
0: Yeah, the other guy's a motor. He just um, wants to fight. Yeah, the other guy's like a motorhead dickhead and he calls him a dominant male monkey motherfucker, which is funny, but he says he doesn't want it to contribute to him. Being another another thing that contributes to him being an ineffectual nothing for the rest of his life, so he wants to steal up his courage and stand up for himself, and and he does that, and uh, it does, it certainly doesn't seem like it works out well for him because he gets his ass beat pretty steadily. But I think in the end, he kind of like it. It does empower him a little bit because he did stand up for himself, and that's kind of what he was looking to do.
1: Well, I don't think this movie was big on messages under the surface. No, I actually think what they were going for was realism, and they nailed the realism of this. Not sure if he really should have stood up to this bully, because it did not work out for him. Didn't work. But he did get empowered a little bit, like you said. Yeah. Anyway, that's the end of the storyline for Mike, our Jewish fella friend. His other friends, the Gingers, they formed their respective romances. Tony gets into a romance with a young, the young freshman girl that we saw being humiliated at the beginning. Pretty big age gap here, not uncommon, I guess, but a little far there.
0: Uh, yeah, he, I I don't know if he's like he's a senior, she's a freshman. Maybe we yeah, don't. She She's
1: definitely a freshman, and he is a senior.
0: Yeah, well, we they don't establish that he's a senior, but uh, maybe he like maybe, maybe he's becoming a senior, she's becoming a freshman. I don't know. I dated a senior my freshman year, so I can't really say much about it.
1: Yeah, it's not that bad, I guess. It's okay. yeah, no. But Tony does find love with this freshman girl, so that's good for him. And Cynthia finds potential love with Woody Harrelson or uh, Matthew McConaughey's <laughs> character, Woody
0: Wooderson. Wooderson, yeah, yeah. I, I, I and uh, and it happened in an earlier scene, but I love when he goes. He's like, you ought to ditch those two losers you're in the car with and get in with us." But that's all right; we'll figure that out later. <laughs> and he's just like openly insults the other two guys in the car with her, and she's just like, "Yeah, he's cute." I don't know. They're like, "He was an asshole." So he was they an they do, them, but he was cute to her. Yeah, they do. They do uh, express some dislike towards Wooderson in that moment, but she's definitely into him, especially because he's offering to take her to an
1: Aerosmith concert. In 1974 or whatever this was, I bet this is a pretty hot ticket to go see Aerosmith. Oh, for sure. I'd check him out in
0: the 70s. Yeah, I'd date him if he was going to take me to an Aerosmith concert.
1: So that wraps up the storyline for all the nerd trio. Uh, Let's go back to Randall a bit here, because the whole time, Randall's been hanging out with all these different characters, but in terms of his own narrative, the thing that we've been talking about since the beginning is, is he going to sign the contract? Is he going to be part of the team or is he going to live his drug lifestyle
0: he also has the kind of girlfriend simone joey lauren adams and he has the kind of girl he starts making out with in the forest jody mitch's older sister so a bunch of bunch of stuff going on with him
1: yeah i don't know why they included the thing with him making out with a different girl or whatever like yeah what was that all about those other girls you didn't have any relationship with them in terms of significance to the story. So it's like,
0: yeah, I guess just to show how foot loose and fancy free Randall Pink Floyd is.
1: That was the free love aspect of the movie. They just threw Mm -hmm. it in there. Okay. Well, the more important storyline was the football thing, I think. And his teammate, Benny corners him in a truck during the party and says, listen, man, if you don't sign this, you're not just screwing over yourself. You're screwing over all of us, me included. And so that does add a new dynamic to the pressure that he must feel because it's easy to say, yeah, fuck these football coaches, but you don't want to let down your friends, your best friends.
0: Yeah, well, and if he was like a a receiver or a tight end or a lineman or something like that, it'd be different. He's the quarterback. So he's a pretty crucial component to them getting their whole team back and, and making a push for state championships.
1: Yeah, Benny even says we've lived our whole lives for this, so. Without Randall, all these other people aren't going to have that glory that they're anticipating. Yeah. What if they go like 6-4 and four and Randall does sign the contract anyway?
0: Now Randall's a total sellout. <laughs> yeah, what if Randall like, signs the contract, plays, and then is, like, has his worst year ever and just completely fucks him over because he's bad?
1: Yeah, because he's not high. He needed to get high to be a good quarterback. Yeah. Performance-enhancing drugs. Well, Randall doesn't say much of anything. To Benny, and Benny leaves in a in a rush, and so the party is now winding down, but not for Randall Slater, a couple of the girls, and uh, Wood- Wooderson.
0: Yeah, they're heading out for a joint subcommittee meeting on the fifty-yard line.
1: Yep. So they go out
0: to get high at the
1: football field, and they're smoking, having a good time, but the cops show up. Rather than take any of them to jail, though, they simply hold them until the football coach can arrive.
0: Yeah, and the football coach says, that's exactly the type of crowd you shouldn't be hanging out with. Even though a couple years back he coached Wooderson, apparently, because Wooderson played football. We find that out. And Slater (laughs) Slater tries to be like, hey, coach, remember me? Second period gym class. (laughs) He's like, those are the people I'm talking about. They don't have anything to lose. You do. <laughs> I love Slater calling out the coach like
1: that, too, because I could see the coach not knowing who he is. Just be yeah. like, I, I yeah. know him, but he
0: hates him. I'll we'll be like, oh, that fucking guy. So then, they have they have a nice little fun exchange there. And then and then now Randall finally makes his grandstand.
1: Yep, Randall stands up to the coach. He says, I forget what he says, but ba- the long and short of it is, I may play football next year, but I'll never sign this contract. And then he throws the crumpled piece of paper at him. I might
0: play football next year, coach, but I will never sign that. And then he crumples it up and throws it at him with a hell of a good arm. So it looks like he does have a decent arm. He's lucky the coach
1: didn't pull a gun on him, honestly.
0: Yeah. I was thinking maybe the coach probably was just like, fuck this kid anyway. Like, if it had been a real coach, he'd have been too egotistical to take that.
1: But he's not a real coach. He's – fictional and randall
0: is the victor in this
1: confrontation yeah. he says maybe i will play football but i want to get stoned all summer
0: long and check out some aerosmith yeah me and my friends got to go pick up aerosmith number one priority of the summer
1: so that does it for randall's storyline and basically everyone except for our old buddy our little buddy mitch yes and I
0: love this song that's playing too. I don't actually even like this song, but it just works well here. Where it's like, things are rolling
1: summer, summer breeze." I don't like that yeah, either.
0: Yeah, I don't like it, but it works really well
1: here. All the music works here, and I wouldn't necessarily listen to many of these songs by themselves, but they do work for the movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of butt rock, like we talked about butt rock in The Wrestler. A lot of these songs could be considered. Relative,
0: close relatives to butt rock
1: but, yeah. but they work within the context of the movie.
0: I mean it's much more classic rock because you're talking mid 70s. Yeah but it, you're, you're on
1: the fringes of butt rock. 80s is butt rock. You gotta get into the 80s for the butt rock. Well, like Aerosmith. It falls under both categories. Well Aerosmith
0: say. in the 80s yeah you got Aerosmith in the 70s Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Anyway
1: also killing it is Mitch. You think he had sex with this girl or they just made out?
0: Uh, I think they just made out. Maybe they did some hand stuff. Maybe. We don't really know how far Mitch got. I'm not (laughs) sure he got any further within Hershberger or whatever. Maybe Mitch got her out on the blanket and bent over and said, hey, could you paddle me like those senior boys?
1: (laughs) So Hershberger told me this thing. I got to try it out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He already got spanked, too. I I mean, his wasn't directly – he hadn't been previously aroused, but maybe (laughs) – Maybe a callback to that or something. Maybe he had such an exciting night that he'll forever tie that exciting night to the night he got paddled.
1: They should have done a spoof movie, a a spoof coming of age like uh, Men in Tights, except (laughs) dazed and confused and then have the kids all busting the nut when they get paddled.
0: (laughs) All getting into kinks. (laughs) That's really twisted. That is. Uh,
1: But I like it. Let's go forward with it. The sophomore girl that Mitch had been hitting it off with, he takes her out on the hillside it's unclear whether or not they have sex just make out or she
0: paddles him we don't know what happens (laughs) we don't know what goes on with that
1: but he does go home drunk with the sun rising his mom is totally cool with everything she says you get a pass this time
0: well now it comes full circle here because his sister came home and told his mother about it and told it to take it easy on him remember how previously she had told the guys to take it easy on him and they had gone even harder but he tells, she tells her mother to take it easy on him, and she actually does take it easy on him. So sister helped him out. 50% success rate there. Yeah.
1: Very good. He puts on some headphones, and they play Slow Ride
0: by Foghat as the movie ends. Yeah. And that completes a trip down nostalgia lane for us. What a meandering review that was. Yeah, really hard to review. It was really trickier than I thought
1: it would be. But you know what was not tricky was collecting an assortment of favorite lines for this movie. Oh, for
0: sure. For sure. You want to go first?
1: You want... I got a few, so. All right. Let me go first then. So any that I get that are yours they will be out of the way. Yeah. I bet we don't have any of the same ones. Maybe. All right. Well, first off, I've got one from Slater from the Moon Tower. He says, imagine how many people out there just fucking, man. <laughs> yeah There's one from Randall when he says If I ever start referring to these As the best years of my life Remind me to kill myself Yeah, And I think Wait. that's probably true These probably are going to be the best years of his life
0: Kind of a slap in the, in the face To his friends standing there around him though Yeah <laughs> like, they're all
1: having a great time And he's just like, like nah I'm just tolerating you people Until yeah. I really reach success
0: It's Like I haven't peaked yet
1: Here's one from the bully at the end when he's beating up Mike. Mike says something about, oh, I was just making an observation, man. And the bully says, observation? Who are you, Isaac fucking Newton? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but I think it's just funny whenever bullies reference like scientific figures. <laughs> yeah. At least he got his, his science uh, reference right. Yeah, he's a smart guy. He's a smart bully. Here's one from Slater again. He goes off on this tangent about martha washington and how great she was and then he starts getting into conspiracies about weed and he says you ever look at a dollar bill man there's some creepy shit going on and it's green too
0: and it's so- green too
1: <laughs> oh yeah
0: he has a whole he has a fun little a whole fun little thing right there where he's talking about george washington into aliens and, and- martha washington would have weed
1: for him every night yeah he and then I have one final line here, and it's my favorite line. From Carl, he says to Hershberger, soon we'll be freshmen where all the girls will be putting out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like freshman girls are just the peak of sluttiness. Yeah, like
0: when you're a freshman, you're just all of a sudden tearing it up. You're, you're not getting any action as a freshman.
1: The misled bravado of Carl landed yeah. the, the favorite line of mine.
0: That's funny. What you got? I got, uh, they're in history class and the teacher goes, or in the background you hear the teacher say, the '68 Democratic National Convention was probably the most bitchin' time of my entire life. Uh, and then the senior air raid girl, uh, Parker Posey, Darla, she goes, wipe that face off your head, bitch.
1: <laughs> That's a call back to hereditary there. Wipe that face off your fucking
0: face. Wipe that face off your head, bitch. And then there was the uh the, the beer delivery guy. Yep, wrong Mr. Pickford altogether. <laughs> Just the way he delivers that cracks me up. And uh oh, when they're in the back of the car, he's like, I wanna I wanna do so he goes, So what are you saying? What do you want to do, Mike? <sighs> I wanna dance. <laughs> Just the way he says that cracks me up. And say man got a joint, be a lot cooler if you did.
1: Yeah, that one was so obvious I skipped that one.
0: Yeah, That's I could I could have skipped that one. Um Oh, how about, hey, Slater, you fucking hippie. Hippie, give me drugs, man. Get some from your mother. Yeah, we just banged your mother. All right, fuck you, dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) I love that little interchange. Most Um, of
1: Slater's lines
0: could have been written
1: down as quotes, I think.
0: Probably. Oh, yeah, right before he's like, are you cool, man? He's like, cool, like how? (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) And he goes, uh... Oh, and they go you're nuts junior you're nuts uh and then uh what's her name darla says at the afterwards when she leaves she's trying to haze uh sabrina's character again and she walks off and she just goes lick me all of you <laughs> just like <laughs> screams that out <laughs> at the crowd <laughs> and then of course uh dominant male monkey motherfucker <laughs> he's like what what do you mean huh huh yeah just like that clint guy who that Clint asshole's dominant male monkey motherfucker.
1: <laughs> That's from Mike whenever he decides to go for round two with the bully. <laughs> when
0: he's had enough to drink that he finally decides he's going to go fight him. Yeah, and that, that concludes it. Wow, quite a few.
1: That, I felt like the favorite lines were going to be plentiful for this movie, yeah. though. It's a very often quoted movie. Oh, I could quote the whole
0: thing, pretty much.
1: Well, we're not going to quote the whole thing, because we still have one more thing to get to here, and that is the score for dazed and confused. I'll tell you now, I love this movie, but I'm not going to be at the Rotten Tomatoes score. That's a high score.
0: Yeah, the 90s is yeah, it's pretty high. To me, it it it's I mean, it's it's obviously rewatchable because I've rewatched it hundreds of times, uh, probably. And it lacks it lacks a through line like we talk about and it it, it doesn't really have any point or purpose much that you can really pick out. So those are things that take away from it. But I, I think everything else pretty much works for it. Like just it's a fun movie to watch. Like the characters are all interesting and they're all different. And they like we said they they hit the social climate of high school perfectly with the way that they film it. And the soundtrack is one of my favorite things. Like I I'm pretty sure I have on Spotify this soundtrack saved uh because i love all the music off of it um and this this era and time in general just is really intriguing in history for me like the, the 70s and kind of the, the stuff that went on during the 70s is just really interesting to me so i i enjoy that and it's just uh it's it's like the peak of a light-hearted fun watch for me you know it's got a plenty of entertaining dialogue it's it's just all around a, a, an enjoyable movie. I, I can't see how you would watch this and not like it. Unless, like we were saying earlier, maybe you've never... If yeah, if yeah. you're a
1: total square, you might not If like you're it. completely
0: against drinking and drugs and all that stuff in general, that might just be a complete zero flop film for you in that case. But uh, I don't fall on that side of the fence. And, uh, so I try, I try to judge it as fairly as I could and not put it up. Cause I would have to put it in the, in my top 10, I think if I were to list my favorite movies of all time. Uh, but I want to try to judge it a little more fairly than say I judged uh, life aquatic maybe. So, <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm going to go with a 16 out of 20, which is I think wow. still a pretty good st- uh, score.
1: That is a very good score. And I actually agree with you. I think this movie isn't for everybody, but it's, pretty close because everyone at some point reaches that point where they feel they're growing up. It's happening right before their eyes. And I think that happens in this movie. So I think everyone can relate to this outside of, like I said, a lifelong total square. So somehow it reaches a wide audience, despite not really being about anything. And despite there being a few cringe moments, there are way more memorable and enjoyable and mildly comical moments And just enough that I think this qualifies as a great movie for me and for anyone that would watch it. And I originally pegged this down as a 15 out of 20. But I wanted to give a bonus point for this being my wife's favorite movie of all time. So we're on the same score, 16 out of 20. All right, perfect. So good choice there, Dazed and Confused. I wanted to get you back for Robin
0: Hood this week, but I just can't. It'll have to come next week. Don't worry, you will have your chance. I'm sure because I deserved it. I did. I formally apologize for that yet? No, no not, not yet.
1: I'm waiting for it.
0: Okay, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. I would like to formally apologize. I just was my head wasn't in the game. I don't know if it was the movie or if I was tired or what, but my head was just not. I wasn't focused for that for that uh, review. And you know, I I, I I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go back and and as a form of apology, I'm gonna rewatch that movie for you. And I'll see if I can find anything I like better out of it.
1: You will like
0: Alan Rickman better. I'm gonna if, focus. If nothing else. I'm gonna focus on Alan Rickman solely and just hope that that can bring the score up because I, uh, I failed.
1: Well, we're both gonna fail next week. Oh. <laughs> I decided to go against my better judgment, and since I let my son pick a movie, I let my daughter pick this movie. <laughs> And I have seen this movie once. I doubt you've ever seen it, but I think you need to see it. Oh, God. Because we've already proved that you're sexually depraved. But how depraved are you willing to get for science? Oh, God. Because next week we will be reviewing The Human Centipede. Oh,
0: my God. (laughs) I think you should be more concerned that this is your daughter's choice of a movie. I asked her
1: three... I asked her three times if she was sure, and she said she's sure. So this is what we're doing.
0: I mean, I the only thing I know, yeah, I just only have a visual image of what a human centipede is. I don't know anything about the movie. So I, I do know it's a horror film, right?
1: It's a scary movie. I'm, yeah. It's horrifying, too. Yes, I guess it is a horror film. <laughs> yeah, so
0: I'm uh, on the basis of what I'm thinking it's going to be, I'm going to assume I'm not going to like it. But I will go into it with an open mind out of respect for your daughter and respect for this show and all that. So I will watch it with an open mind, and hopefully I find some fun shit to talk about. <laughs> I, have, I have Some literal I have, fun shit, actually, I a, is what you're yeah, going to be talking about. I have a feeling there will be plenty of sh- literal shit to talk about.
1: Well, you might have a Hirschberger moment where you become sexually aroused by this, and you
0: might not <laughs> ever be the same. <laughs> oh, God. that's scary. That's a scary thought. I'm now excited. I might watch it tonight.
1: Hey, did Hershberger achieve immortality on the podcast tonight?
0: I think so. I, I think, think he did.
1: I think Hershberger might come back around sometime.
0: Yeah, I hope. I hope Hersh. It's Hershfield, but Hershfielder, uh, whatever his name is, <laughs> he, Hersh Hirsch Kingston.
1: So, yeah. if you develop a sexual fetish against your will, that is a Hershberger. A Hersh <laughs> pulling
0: pull a Hershberger. Well, so that's I'm, retroactively. I'd like to call the cat. The uh, dead cat choking a Hirschberger.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's also the movie's title is her, so it fits perfectly. You had a her, burger, schberger. schberger.
0: Oh my god.
1: Well, this has gone on too long. As always. As always, I'd like to say one last hail to your mother.
0: Hail to your mother.
1: And we will be seeing you next week for the Human Centipede. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you then.
0: Bye bye, y'all.
1: summer cold weather i'm talking joints and margaritas girls everyone loves movies from webster to morocco who needs rotten tomatoes when you've got the rancid tacos this podcast is brought to you by west virginia pepperoni rolls